Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you have not been to visit us at MyFaithRadio.com lately, going to invite you to do that. The Set Apart Conference is coming up. You should check out information related to that. We're going to be reading the, through the Bible together during Lent. There's going to be a Lenten study available to join us in. Um, all kinds of wonderful things available to you each and every day. You should download the Faith Radio app on your phone. Why should I do that, Carmen? Well, because if if it should come to pass that your radio signal in your listening area, for whatever reason, is interrupted in any way, you can listen anytime, anywhere on the Faith Radio app, not only to live programming, but to any program that we, we've got running. And so uh, I really encourage you um, to find the Faith Radio app. There's information and instructions on the website at MyFaithRadio.com. Or if you just go to your app store, whatever that looks like, Google Play or or your app store, and um, search for Faith Radio, search for Mornings with Carmen, you're going to get the Faith Radio app. That's what's going to come up. So there you go. Uh, Download it. Make it your own access it, share it with others, all the good things. Today, uh, the National Prayer Breakfast is going to be held in Washington, D.C. I don't expect a whole lot of news. Why? Well, because what used to be a multi-day, highly partisan political affair has been um, taken over, (laughs) I think is the right language, and, um, and become a much more private event. Uh, and so it used to be run by a secret group of people. It's now run by a public group of people and held in a private way. So there you have it. There's a difference between things that happen in private and are done privately um, and things that are secret or secretive. And so um, I'm just going to keep that in mind today as I listen to the back and forth related to the National Day of Prayer. Let's let's just do this, uh, or the National Day of Prayer Breakfast. Let's pray for members of Congress today. Let's pray for people in authority in the culture. Um, You know, as you have breakfast, whenever that is, whatever form that takes, maybe have breakfast for dinner if breakfast has already passed, uh, passed you by. National prayer breakfast. Let's let's spend some time praying today for uh, people in our nation's capital in particular, decisions being made there. Um. Today is also the day that Tyre, uh, Tyree Nichols is going to be laid to rest in Memphis, Tennessee. I bring that up um, because that will almost certainly be in the headline news um, and and garner a lot of attention today. Uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is expected to attend the funeral at the invitation of the Nichols family. Um, I expect there to be a lot of press coverage. Funerals are always an opportunity for the proclamation of the gospel. Funerals are always an opportunity for the proclamation of the gospel. 
I want you to keep that in mind today. Um, the mother of Breonna Taylor is expected to be there. The brother of George, George Floyd, is expected to be there. It's going to be held at the Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church in Memphis. Um, and let's be praying. Let's be praying um, for everyone who will be physically present there. Let's also be praying for people who are going to watch this via a live stream on Facebook and YouTube. Um, because why? Because funerals are always an opportunity for a proclamation of the gospel. So I want you to pray that the gospel is not only preached at this funeral, but that it is received. This is the way that God can redeem even the most horrific, um, horrific of situations. Um, Maybe this will be the day of salvation for someone um, who finds themselves surprised by the love of God in the face of Christ. Bill English is going to join us next. We're going to talk about a number of things going on um, in the culture where we are going to bring the mind of Christ to bear. You know Bill from BibleAndBusiness.com. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the way in which you and I as Christians in the culture are going to really need to think about and plan for better care for our elders. Um, This is a real opportunity for Christians and churches as um, as nursing homes across the country are closing down. Um, Bill English will join us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Carmen. How are you today? I'm, uh, I'm, I am well. It is, uh, it's cold where I live, but I think it's cold everywhere today. So I'm not going to uh, complain about that. Um, how about you? How are you today? I'm, I'm very well. God is good. And it is very cold where we are here in Minneapolis. So, <laughs> but uh, it keeps the, it keeps, uh, Keeps us uh, hearty and, and honest, I guess, or something like there that. There you go. So. There you go. Um, okay. So let me talk. Let's talk today about retirement savings and who invests retirement money. Um, and then this larger conversation about what the federal government has has any business in, in terms of how retirement investment managers invest public funds. I think we're talking here about public funds. So talk with us a little bit about retirement investments and then these specific retirement investments um, at the center of this conversation about federal um, regulations. So what? So this, this story is coming both out of uh, Town Hall and Fox News. Investment managers are being told by the Biden administration to uh, invest with ESG, ESG in mind, okay? And uh, 25 Republican states are suing the Biden government over this rule. ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And what Biden is wanting uh, investment managers to do who are running these ERISA, not, I'm sorry, not ERISA programs, but programs that fall under ERISA of 1974, like your 401k and other, other types of pension plans, 
Uh, he's wanting them to uh, consider uh, climate change, greenhouse gases, emissions, and how companies who are, you know, are you investing in companies that aren't paying attention to greenhouse gases, that kind of thing? Are they investing in companies that uh, only consider uh, profits and don't consider maybe how how that uh, the how the company that they're investing in is is uh, being philanthropic with the community? And are they well run? That's the governance piece, right? Is the company well well run? Does leadership act in an ethical way? Well, the ERISA law states that plan assets have to be held and invested exclusively for the purpose of providing benefits to the participants, and that the fiduciaries have to act solely in the participants' interests, right? And uh, when you start throwing ESG into this mix, that that muddies up these waters of who are we actually investing for? Are we investing for the the climate change group, the greenhouse gases group? Are we investing for um, maybe other stakeholders that don't have access to this money and shouldn't have access to it? Are we investing uh, based on governance, that kind of thing? Um, you know, I read this. I read Paul's email and um, honestly, Carmen, I think that the social and the governance is probably a proper thing to look at. I'm not sure about the environmental factors, but I here, here's what I'll say here is that companies with the best governance, in other words, they're well run, they have good leadership and companies who are able to balance all the competing stakeholder interests will usually be able to achieve higher investment objectives. In other words, they're going to be so well run that they're going to be profitable and you're going to want your fiduciaries to invest in these companies. You're going to want them to invest your retirement funds in these companies. So I'll stop there and see what kind of thoughts or or questions you might have. Well, I'm just going to confess that I'm uh, not paying very close attention maybe to or at all to how my retirement funds are actually being invested and so i think that this is um, one of the reasons i want to have the conversation is this is just not something i'm paying attention to um so maybe the question is should i be paying attention i mean i uh I'm, I am I will, upon retirement, have a, a pension from an organization that I worked for for some period of time. Um, I know that those funds are invested not only with environmental, social and um, and governing friendly companies, but there's a whole list of um, like sins that can't be a part of any of those investment funds. Um, they can't invest in any, you know, like sinful companies. Um, and so that's a whole another layer of conversation here. And certainly when I think we're talking about individual investors and the way we make choices, um, I'm definitely, you know, thinking about, but I don't, but I don't pick stocks. Like I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not spending my time picking individual stocks. So, um, but I guess if, if, if I were in a fund that I knew was in, let's say a real estate investment trust and that real estate investment, um, product was was not providing good service to people living in that housing like that would be upsetting to me i would i would feel socially irresponsible and so i mean is that what we're talking about here i mean do i need to be thinking a whole lot more about where my investment funds are invested maybe that's the question well yes and no um gosh i i hate to equivocate here look 
Yes, you should be paying attention to where your fiduciaries are investing your monies and, and, and into what funds. And you should, by law, receive an annual statement and an annual packet of information, so to speak, that mm-hmm. says, here's where we have invested your money and here's how here's how uh, the investments did in, in terms of uh, providing a rate of return and how much money you made and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but mm-hmm. this idea, but 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 this pristine idea that we can invest into companies with no sin is just—it's a canard. It doesn't yeah. exist. Um, well, because it suggests be... it suggests that there is some sinless. <laughs> it's, I mean, <laughs> no one is without sin. I mean, this is part of the challenge, right? And what some people think of as sin. Um, or would have in their on their sin list, you know, may or may not make it for somebody else. And so, I mean, yeah, it's a uh, it's an endless challenge. I think is what you're saying. It is, and so yeah. I think you have to have some balance, and I think you have to, um, you know, stay away from the obvious stuff. You're not going to invest in the Christian Robbers Association, right? But at the <laughs> same time, um, if you invest in Tesla and you find, as as I have, I own Tesla right now. If you invest in Tesla and then later on you find out that they're um, that they're not treating some workers in a third world country correctly, well, then you have a moral choice to make: do I, re, you know, do I stay with them or do I sell my stock and get out? Hmm. So. All right, we're going to continue our conversation um, with Bill English here in just a moment, and we're going to pivot and have um, have a a conversation about the elderly people in our lives, in our communities, in our churches, um, who are our neighbors, and the challenge, the increasing challenge that um, elder care um, poses to us as a nation. In Iowa, 13 of the 15 um, shuttered facilities in terms of nursing homes that closed just last week um, closed in rural regions and small towns, little little communities. So who's caring for those people now? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. I will trust Continuing our conversation with our friend Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Hey, what's going on over there uh, at your website, by the way? What are you uh, What are you talking about over there oh, at BibleAndBusiness.com right now? You know, Self-preservation you and losing our lives, lessons from the life of Daniel. That sounds pretty yeah. good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's chapter 16 in my book that I'm about 90% done with it now. And I really liked it because uh, you have Nebuchadnezzar uh, setting up this huge statue to himself in the plains and saying, everybody um, bow down to it. And it was his way to consolidate political power and preserve his control and his power. And I conclude the chapter by saying, God calls us to give our lives away, not to try to preserve our lives and to preserve our position or our, our reputation and that kind of thing. So that's chapter 16. Mm, so good. All right, check it all out, bibleandbusiness.com. Um, let's talk about elder care. Kaiser Health um, has reported that nursing homes are closing down across the country in in record numbers. Um, 
13 of the 15 shuttered facilities just last week were in rural regions of Iowa. Like we're talking about massive numbers of people who are affected because every time a nursing um, nursing care or healthcare facility of this kind shuts down, the population who were reliant upon that, um, those those older people have to go somewhere else and they either have to go home with someone or they have to move somewhere that is further away from the people who love them um, and know them best. So just talk with us about what's happening and maybe the opportunity that this creates for Christians in communities across the country. So based on Kaiser, uh, we lost 129 nursing homes nationally last year, and they say that number's low because the government, the way the government counts these closures usually lags behind reality. Um this this is a serious problem, but it's a it's an example of what's happening across our entire healthcare industry. Um, but st- sticking with this, uh, as as nursing homes close, the patients have to find another nursing home to go to. Right? That's how we think. I suspect in the next five to ten years that what we're going to find is that families are simply going to have to start taking in their own elderly. And you're going to start having kind of this, uh, you know, John Boy thing. I forget the name of that show from the 70s or the 80s. Um, but you have multiple generations living in the same home. And and it's going to place a lot of stress and a lot of strain on a lot of families. Uh, because, you know, the elderly are living longer. They're outliving uh, their savings. And the government is only able to pick up part of their costs. And so it's going to become more expensive and more difficult. I think they're going to end up actually living in homes. The other part of this nursing home story, though, that kind of flew under the radar, but it, it was there, is that there's a number of nursing homes that are open, but they can't staff all the beds that they have, right? And so maybe they're only able to staff 70% of the beds. So 30% are, are now non-revenue generating beds. And so you have a home that was set up for, say, I'll just pick a number here, 100 beds, but it's only able to get 70 of them staffed, so they can only have 70 that are revenue generating. But the costs uh, for the 100-bed facility are still there. You, you know, your, your fixed costs don't go down. So a number of these nursing homes are living on a shoestring. They're barely making it because yeah. they can't staff all the beds that they have planned for, and so they can't be profitable. Uh, at best, they're break-even. Uh what right? does the church I mean, do? <laughs> yeah, right. What does the church do? I mean, I I feel like um, you know, the the care for widows and orphans um is our like it's it's just a part and parcel of who we are and such our responsibility. I think of Jesus, you know, from the cross making provision for his mother's care before he uh, before he died. I mean, you know, it there he he makes it the responsibility. He makes his own elder care the responsibility of the church. Um, yeah. And so, so, you know, I, it's, a, it's a huge challenge. Yeah, it is. And I'm aware of the time. Let me, let me be um, brief here. Uh, the average church isn't going to be able to do a group home. It's just not going to happen. Uh, group homes are going to have to be done at the denominational level. Having said that, the average church can put together an informal group of care providers who offer services in the home, and they will need to set up rules, boundaries, a triage model, a training model. And I would suggest that any nurses or doctors that are involved in this full time become unlicensed so that they are not open to malpractice liabilities and that kind of thing. 
demand is always going to outstrip supply here. And so uh, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries are going to be needed if the church is going to do this. We can't just say we take everybody. Um, it's 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 going to be a real quagmire. And how many churches, quite frankly, have the emotional and spiritual maturity to do this? I think very mm. few. Mm. All right, family of faith. Um, this is a, this is certainly a prayer concern and something that um, is facing us as a nation, and we ought to be we ought to be thinking about. Like we're all headed in this direction, so we better be caring for the people who. Um, uh, who we love best in the world, and we ought to be caring for them well so as to train the next generation in terms of how we hope to be cared for, right? I mean, you know, if you need if you need some kind of additional motivation other than just doing what is right. Uh, Bill, thank you so very much. Always so good to talk with you. You can find Bill English at BibleAndBusiness.com. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. Wow, lots of great interaction on the text line today. Thank you um, so very much for everyone who is checking in. Let me ask this question. Do you have an either or or a both and? An either or or a both and relationship with God? I think that's the way I would like to describe it. Um, Do you have an integrated or a disintegrated, (laughs) other way to think about it, um, approach to your life of faith? Are there times that you feel like there's some pieces missing? Like you're like, this can't be, like, this doesn't feel, feel full. Like this, there's got to be more. I'm missing something. You might actually be missing half of everything. We're going to talk about whole, the life-changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. Aaron Williams is one of the co-authors and he joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Aaron Williams. He is um, half of a two-part show. Um, He's the co-author of Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Aaron, it feels somehow like strange and awkward to not have your co-author on when we're supposed to be doing the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. But thank, thanks for having me on. Look forward to chatting this morning. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, okay, so talk about um, talk about this project and talk about, um, you know, sort of where, what is the question this is, uh, this is driving to answer or the itch that you're seeking to scratch? Because to suggest that I need to read whole, right, um, suggests that I'm... Yep. I'm not approaching my spiritual life in a way that is all in, all me, all in. Yes, that's true. And actually, I love the way you kind of teased it just a moment ago. Um, I was going to ask you, I almost feel like I need that little clip just recorded on my phone so that when people ask me what the elevator pitch is, you you gave it better than I could, I think. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, the... The why behind the book, um, it is kind of assuming, and even the introduction's called half, but it's, you know, it's it's really assuming that because it's it's all of us. So we're not trying to point the finger at any specific Christian, but we're saying 
the invitation in the scriptures in uh, the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul is actually harder to do than we might imagine. Um, and we all tend to relate to God in ways that are natural to us, and that that's different for all of us. And uh, maybe also naturally we lean away or we shy away from the aspects of who we are that uh, come less natural to us. Uh, for example, uh, an easy example is like thinking and feeling. You know, some people just lean toward feelings. Others lean toward their mind and their thought life. And um, God wants all of it. And so the, the premise of the book is you might be hitting spiritual stagnation or apathy, even if you're doing a lot of the right things. And you're going, why is this? I, I thought Jesus promised abundant life and it just doesn't feel so abundant. The question we're raising is, well, maybe there's parts of who you are that you need to learn how to relate to God with that will kind of unlock new aspects of your faith in him. So that's what the, the book's about. Yeah, and a huge part of this conversation is the the places and spaces and groups of people you've been with where the faith has yeah. been expressed, explored, where you have learned the things of the faith, um, the people you've walked with in terms of discipleship. Like, that's all a part of this as well, and, and I really appreciated that um, as, uh, as a part of this conversation. Um, again, we're talking about the book Whole. Um, and if you're feeling like, you know what, there's some times that I feel like I've, I like, I'm only like halfway there. I know that I'm supposed to be all in with all of myself, but I, I don't, you know, I'm more of a head person than a heart person. I'm more of a spirit person than a truth person. I'm more of a doer than a beer. I'm, I'm certainly more of a sinner than I am a saint. Okay. So that's the formula of the book from half to whole. And the whole is a yeah. both and approach to these conversations. So let's talk about half. I love the um, the example of the breath. What if somebody said, "I'm yeah, just yeah. an inhaler"? Like I don't do the exhaling part. Help us uh, help us understand the half approach using this inhale exhale example. Yeah, well, that that example is it's almost silly. You know, every time I I teach this, that's that's what I begin with. And can you imagine if you're taking some deep breaths in a room full of people, and someone spoke up and said, "Uh, you know, I'm I'm only the the inhaler. You know, I grew up inhaling. I'm not in exhalings for these. You know, it's it would be silly. But the point uh, we're trying to make is is that. All of us know, even subconsciously, that our inhale and exhale is tied together. We we actually could not separate the two. Our body would convulse. We would eventually exhale and start breathing again. And yet, there are other parts of who we are, uh, for example, our mind and our heart, that we tend to think we actually could separate the two, or we could shut one off. And when you when you look at it closer, they're actually tied together just like inhaling and exhaling. They're that inseparable of, of parts of who we are. And so once you kind of understand that, you begin to see yourself as a human being a little bit different. And you begin to think, okay, well, like, how am I, maybe if I can't separate them, I certainly could neglect one of the other. And that's that's more of what we see doing. And so it's the the invitation to really be a whole person, so to speak. Yeah, it's really good. All right. So let's talk about head and heart, spirit and truth, being and doing, saint and mm -hmm. sinner. They're always supposed to, I mean, yep. you know, they're supposed to work together. 
So give us a help us understand yep. like how they get separated, even without our realizing it. Yeah, totally. These so these are biblical biblical dichotomies that the biblical authors seem to not have any problem holding together in tension. Uh, they almost seem to like assume that they will be held together, that we tend to separate. Um, and there's a couple of primary ways you are, you've already listed one, which would be uh, like our church of origin is one way to think about it. For those of you that grew up in church, what kind of church was that? What did the worship services look like? What became normal for you when it was uh, when you attended church? Another huge part of it is our just personality leanings. You know, my wife and I are a great example. We are uh, a perfect example of opposites attract. If you look at our, you know, Myers Briggs personality testing, we're opposites on most things. And and so what we've learned is we our personalities actually also affect the way that we go about living out our faith. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm a thinking person, I might really lean toward waking up early in the morning and I might have a checklist of how I'm going to go through the Bible in a very like ordered fashion. My wife, that would be more of me. My wife, uh, she's kind of the opposite. She likes the slow, a slow morning. She wants to wake up. She wants to get her cup of coffee. She's going to read, but she's not going to read as much volume as I am. She's going to kind of sit maybe listen to a worship song for a solid 10 or 15 minutes, you can immediately start to see how our personalities are relating to God differently. And that actually plays out in head, heart, spirit, truth, being, doing, sinner, saint. It plays out in all these ways. And so the the invitation for us is to, to learn how to kind of pinpoint where we are, where our personalities lean, how our churches of origin and our denominations tend to have strengths, um, and then also recognize the areas that we might we might be neglecting for those same reasons. And the reason that's important, um, maybe the the hinge point of the book is you can't neglect the weaker areas just because they're weaker areas. They will actually lead to uh, spiritual frustration in your life. And a lot of times we're experiencing that and we don't know why. And so this book is trying to say there's actually parts of you that you need to lean into. And it might be growing in the weaker areas that you experience uh, a more flourishing faith. I love that you um, brought us the example from your own marriage, because I think that um, (laughs) when, like, right, when God looks upon you and when he looks upon your wife, now he sees the two of you as one flesh. And, um, and these, and these, Maybe what seemed as an opposite attracts kind of a thing, God has turned into this one complimentary, beautiful example of what it looks like from his yeah. perspective, right? Um, and so I, I love that you brought totally. us that example. Section uh, section one of Whole, and remember, we're talking with Aaron Williams. He is the co-author of Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, Aaron, the uh, for the first section um, is written in Catherine's voice, so maybe we'll just highlight here um, uh, that this that this head heart conversation is really focused on um, living into and out of what it means to be all in with God using the first and greatest commandment. Also uh, appears in Deuteronomy six as the Shema. Um, but I love the questions like, you know, am I more of a head person or a heart person? I thought that was a really good um, yeah. entry point into the conversation. Um, and then uh, the description of this beautiful integration 
um, and the prayer for heart mm-hmm. and mind um, are also just such a gift in in this particular section. So I'm wondering when we come back, maybe we can focus on section two of the book since that that portion is written in your voice. Um, and and we'll talk about um, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll dig in and um, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. Would you would you when we that come back? Great. Will you um will you tell us um that story about the moment that you realized that although you knew a lot about God and a lot about good theology, you didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit? Will you tell that story when we come back? Absolutely. Fantastic. All right, we're talking with uh we're talking with Aaron Williams about whole. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Uh, Aaron Williams is a worship leader, um, he is a visionary. Um, he serves at a church in Dallas, Texas. So it's good he's with us here on Texas Day. I didn't even know it was Texas Day, Aaron, until I got up and started, you know, looking through my notes for today. And so uh, do you have a favorite kolache or and or kind of uh, jerky or brisket? Like we need a little Texas input here. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm a new Texan. I've only been here a couple of years. So I'm going to I would say. The best contribution Texas has made to my life has been in the form of breakfast tacos. There are a lot of amazing breakfast tacos around here. Nice. Okay, fantastic. All right, talk with us. Um, And again, we're talking with Aaron about a book he has co-authored. The book is Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, Talk with us about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so you asked me to to share that story. I grew up in a church, uh, a wonderful church, by the way. Um, but when it came to the Holy Spirit, I wasn't really taught anything incorrect about the Holy Spirit. I just literally wasn't taught anything. It was like a portion of our church's theology, I guess, that that was just kind of left out. Um, and so I began leading worship somewhere along in those years, in high school years, traveling, writing songs, um, things like that. And um Essentially, I started experiencing, uh, well, what now I would call the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and the giftings of the Spirit in my life, but I had no reference point for what was happening. Um, for example, you know, we would be uh, going to an event and I would, I would be praying with a group of people before we would step up to lead worship. And I would just, at times, get this deep, deep sense that God wanted to do something unique. And and I would even at times like kind of see in my mind's eyes, we prayed like a vision of what that was going to be. And sure enough, when we would get there, it would seem like God was working profoundly and and oftentimes in the exact same ways that I kind of intuitively was was thinking he was. 
And um, that over years kind of built up this sense of the Holy Spirit in my life, but with no theology behind it. And so I remember sitting in the first, my first ever actual theology class, and we get to studying the Holy Spirit. And it's as if someone is introducing me to this person that like I've kind of known for all these years, but I've also in the same way never known. Um, and it was it was a really like enlivening experience because one part of me was like, oh my gosh, this there are there's words for all this stuff that I've been experiencing. And like there's I can name these these things. And then there was another part of me that felt a little bit sad because it felt like uh, why didn't I why was I never taught this? You know, why didn't I grow up understanding who this person, uh, this being of part of the Trinity is? And um, so that led me to um, feel compassion and both passion towards people who've grown up the same way. And when we talk about truth and spirit in the book, I was the person who leaned heavy truth just by my upbringing and had to learn how to worship God, uh, as Jesus says it, quote, in the spirit uh, in John chapter four is where he says that. And so it's been a, a wonderful part of my continued journey following Jesus. And it's been also wonderful helping other people, especially people who have come into the faith in similar uh, streams of the church as I did, discover who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in their life, et cetera. So in this chapter, you also talk about the importance of recognizing these gaps, right? And you've just expressed how, yep. you know, God God has, you know, you exploring that in your own life. Um, can you talk a little bit yep. about, like, how do you explore that without falling off to the right or the left in terms of extremes? I mean, there's extremes on both sides. So how do I, there, how do I guard against falling off in either one of those directions? That's a great question. And we talk about those extremes. We actually name them uh, the fear of extremes. And um, just to cite them really quickly, because I think they're helpful. You know, if you are a person that grew up in a heavy, heavy truth based church, or that's just how you naturally leaned, you will oftentimes fear emotionalism in spirit type environments or churches that are more um, Holy Spirit centric. And vice versa, if you grew up in a Holy Spirit-centered church, and, and that's like a part of who you are, part of your background, you can tend to fear intellectualism. And um, so it's very interesting that that the far sides are, are dangerous, and they're both actual real dangers. Um, so I think as we, as we seek out how to balance these, um, not balance these, but like how to have fullness of both of, of these in our life, truth and spirit... I just think it's important to recognize um, that that it's good that Jesus is inviting us into both of these things, that neither of them in their uh, raw form are to be feared. You know, Jesus says in that passage in John uh, 4, actually, the type of worshipers the Father is looking for are those mm -hmm. who worship, quote, in the Spirit and in truth. And we know Jesus is leading us into fullness of life, into goodness and so we do have the propensity to take those to the extremes, but but what we're invited into is good. And so um, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people to get over. Um, for me, it was if if I grow in the Holy Spirit, am I going to be you know seen as um, all completely emotional? You know these again these fears of extremes. And what I what I began to understand is the Bible also refers to the Holy Spirit as the one who leads us into truth. 
And so, again, if, if we see these as interconnected, you actually realize that you can't grow in the truth like you want to without the Holy Spirit's help. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is back to so the good. inhaling, exhaling thing. You know, you think we think we can shut these things off and separate them, but you can't. If you want to be a person who loves the truth of God's word and you want to go as deep as you can, you actually have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true on the other side. If if you're a Holy Spirit oriented person, a lot of times, you know, in in the excess of those types of culture, you can feel like you're living from one prophetic word to another. And, you know, where's the depth there? And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit's actually inviting you into the scriptures to take you deeper and deeper into your knowledge of who he actually is. And so I think that's how uh, the integration to me is how you avoid the extremes. It's like so the good. spirit's going to lead you deeper into truth and the truth is going to re- lead you into deeper relationship with the spirit and they're going to work together. They're not going to be these, they're not on opposite ends of the, of the paradigm. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, Aaron, what a delight to, uh, to meet you and have you join us for this conversation. Um, we're going to send people directly to your website, AaronWMusic.com. If you want to connect with Aaron Williams, uh, that will be the links will be in the show notes today. The book is Whole. You can go to readwhole.com um, for more information about the book. And again, all the links will be in the show notes for today's program. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Hope you have a great rest of the morning. Absolutely. You too. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, that um, <clears throat> pithy little song right there, Paul is teeing up because today is National Serpent Day. Paul, good uh, good music choice there. Oh, you're welcome. I think yeah. it's it's a hard song. Yeah, so tell, what, what song is this for people who are listening? This is called Spirit of the Age from Michael Card. It's a song that he's very pointed about when it comes to um, things such as abortion and other things that denigrate human life, especially the life of children. So this um, Spirit of the Age song, uh, good for National Serpent Day, an opportunity for us to um, to talk about the serpent entering the garden and wreaking havoc, right? And the way that even now the serpent is looking for opportunities to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. Um, so today, guard against the serpent. It's National Serpent Day. Good day to, to bring it up with somebody else. Good day to reread Genesis chapter 3. Uh, good day to recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do in terms of crushing uh, the head of the ser- serpent beneath his own heel. Like, right? So um, this is not uh, like a scare. Uh, an opp- it's, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to alert you and make you aware and use something that's happening in the culture, National Serpent Day, really, happening in the culture um, to talk about the spirit of the age and the spirit of every age that has uh, crept in among us. Genesis chapter 3 is uh, the reading material for the day. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great day, and God bless.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.